must be Beef is when a nigga like you can't sleep Wake up with no appetite and you can't eat Better look both ways before you walk in the streets Nigga, that's beef What's beef? Beef is when a nigga like you can't sleep Wake up with no appetite and you can't eat Better look both ways before you walk in the streets Cause you don't wanna bump heads with a nigga like me wanna bump heads with a nigga like me beef can't eat can't sleep but look both ways we walk in the street <laughs> shout out to little flip because he did what was needed on that song at that time do y'all remember beef there was a show beef that came on i think it came on bt i believe what a time what a time life is different now it's different now robin e here back on a brand new episode of pillow talk as always appreciate y'all for tuning in with me make sure you're following me on ig robin e 93 and facebook pillow talk podcast and all of the good stuff y'all know y'all know i ain't ain't gonna keep doing it but i'm gonna keep doing it too because i need y'all to be tuned in giving y'all today a new episode in reference to Two major beefs, all right, in black culture, okay, that we were able to see over this weekend come to a head in a sense. And I don't know if we could necessarily say both were resolved, but they were brought to the surface. They were put in the light and they were kind of examined in a sense. And we get to see, I feel like, which is interesting, a spectrum of this beef. Because when you initially think of it, you think of street shit. And then you don't think about career beef and personal beef, family beef, all these other things. So we get today into two major beefs that have been prominent in black culture. And everybody believes that they know the ins and outs. And for the most, we do, because it's been a long, you know, processed beef that has been told numerous times from both sides and we get to dive into again the meaning of beef the different types of beef and the aftermaths of this beef and and what it means to the parties involved this shit deep all right it gets real deep and y'all know i'm gonna give it to you in the consciousness because i'm up here with it i could be funny which i'm gonna be a little bit but you know i got to uh, dig up in there anytime we getting into complexities and situations where there is conflict in any level okay okay keep listening new episode dropping right now see when i had no money i still had sauce mm-hmm. so if you don't got no sauce then you're lost mm-hmm. but you also get lost in the sauce So for the people in the back who may or may not be aware, even though beef, I feel like is a self-explanatory slang word now at this point with all the words we've created in the last 10 years, it is a noun. Okay. It's a noun, which I did not know. It's a problem or a grudge with someone. Okay. It's a complaint. It's an issue. All right. It's a, it's a problem you got with somebody that, that, that's in your area. I honestly feel like beef really can't be created unless it's person to person confrontation. Unless there's a way that you guys had a situation face to face or in the same space. That way the energies were exchanged so that the beef was formed. 
this whole Twitter fig- uh, finger shit and this online shit y'all doing, this not real beef, just to let you know, okay? This is insecurities coming out of you and you're dispelling them on another person online or they're dispelling them on you and now you want to get that energy back. You want to save face because for real, for real, this motherfucker can't do shit to you online, but say things, you know, to hurt your feelings at the end of the day, to make you feel foolish. So that, that's, that's not the same thing. Beef involves person-to-person confrontation, okay? There's different levels of beef. We're going to get into that as well. So this past weekend, for one, praise God, because it was nice outside. The weather was actually pleasant for the most part. It was like one cold day, but for the most part, it was pretty pleasant. I was able to uh, find something that I had been looking desperately for this weekend. And I felt like my spirit led me there. So I was really, really excited. Can I take a moment real quick, y'all? I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into it because, you know, I like to talk my shit. But I want to just catch y'all up a little bit real quick, okay? Because I'm going to be talking a lot more about energies as Pillow Talk progresses into next year. So I've really been diving into my spiritual side and spirituality and trying to enhance that connection um with the higher realm i'm a pisces pisces are the fairies of the zodiac we're the most intuitive the most magical we we have natural capabilities that are just innate in us and you can choose to tap into them you can choose not to but usually uh, it is what it is at, at a point so i've gotten to a point in my life now um shout out to a very important person in my life who helped me open up my third eye and i've really been diving into that so i've been studying researching you know meditating doing my my rituals and i wanted to start diving into tarot cards so i've been searching for them researching etc the spirit led me to my tarot cards recently, and I had a very emotional experience with them. And uh, I want to become fluently in understanding energies and signs, okay, and, and what they mean. So as I study, as I go down this journey, um, understand that I'll be speaking through enlightenment, okay? There's a spirit that I have awoken within me that now... Um, kind of controls me in a sense and it's not like possession I don't want you to think I'm I'm fucking crazy you know because I'm not okay these tarot cards just to let you know we're right next to the bibles okay where I found them and they had also a wall of you know witchcraft and spells and home remedies and things like that because this is a spiritual type of medicine okay don't get this confused with necessarily magic or you know otherworldly things it's it's about enhancing your spirit your connection to the world the elements and how the world maneuvers for you so next year i'm going to be incorporating some readings nothing pertaining to zodiac shit because i think that's a fad for everybody right now and i'm not going to be a guru that's not my goal my intent is to provide guidance to anybody that may feel that they need it Okay, because I felt like I needed it and I felt like I was someone who had the guidance within me, but I needed to figure out how to unlock it. So make sure you guys are tuned in because next year I will be providing some some readings in reference to life. Okay, and how to maneuver. 
All right, let's get back to the bullshit. Let's get back to the bullshit. So this past weekend, in addition to the weather being nice, we saw two amazing long-term beefs come to the light and be exposed. Let's get into it. First off, Gucci Man versus Jeezy. Now, I don't know what the numbers are because I don't even watch verses. And I felt I felt ashamed that this was really the first verses that I watched live. I haven't watched any verses live. I've watched clips of them after because that's just I just don't care. I already know in my mind who win, wins them anyway, because y'all don't know hit for hit. Everybody has a different definition for hit for hit. Let's just start there for one thing. OK, everybody has a different definition what hit for hit means. If we're talking about commercial wise, okay, we, we could be talking about street wise, club wise, okay, personal influence wise. So there needs to be more stipulation as far as to the playlist, because I think that this really fucked people up in my eyes. And this is just my opinion. Fuck who don't like. I think that hits count for songs that most people know, period. Songs that everybody knows from this artist. It can be a mixture of hits and street hits. It's about how many songs do you know from this artist at the end of the day? How many songs were you playing that came out from this artist as they were coming out? Okay. Now, no shade to anybody because I'm not here to put nobody on the spot. Okay. But I remember a lot of y'all was bumping Gucci. It wasn't a lot of y'all bumping Jeezy like that. It was a lot of y'all brothers bumping Jeezy and your daddies. You're right about that shit. But you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers was bumping Gucci, okay? You was bumping Gucci. You was growing bellies. You was wearing gold up in your mouth, all right? The the Trinity for a while was Gucci, Boosie, and Webby. Wayne came too, but you know what I'm saying? Stop it, okay? So stop it right there. A lot of people was faking all right and i want to just let you know i know now i'm not sitting here saying you know you can't grow out of an artist okay i know how shit go artists get famous and then they you know change their sound and they become more commercialized and they don't sound the same whatever i understand that there's a few artists that i don't fuck with anymore either but don't sit up here and down the artist when you know they got more hits when you okay okay so watching the the verse uh versus promotions come out at first i was like this shit is fake okay period because for one if you know you know that hmm, these two motherfuckers in the same room okay cool so once i started seeing gucci posted i was like oh my god i was like this shit really happening so for them to be in the same room like that, the setup, and then of course for them to be niggas and be fashionably late, because why did y'all post a time and then you started 30 minutes after that? I don't know. Whatever. It just really was aesthetically pleasing for me. Okay. Can we get into the wardrobe first? Period. Because Gucci won that. Gucci won that. Now, I ain't gonna lie. He was a tad bit overdressed. But clearly, Jeezy looked like a nigga from Kenosha. So Gucci knew what was up. Okay? He knew what he was up. Now, listen. Everybody felt some type of way about the real estate comment. I don't really give a fuck. Because you know what? Real estate is a part of your net worth. And Gucci's net worth is more than Jeezy's. Okay? Okay? So at the end of the day, you can have a lot of real estate. That's perfectly fine. Okay, perfectly fine. I, I bless you, brother. I, I'm happy that Jeezy is able to have that flex. 
But don't sit up here and shit on him like he ain't got nothing, okay? Because Gucci got money and he's making new money, which was really the emphasis I felt like of Gucci performing some of those songs. All right, let's get into it. Now, I'm I'm a Gucci fan. And I'm going to have to go with Gucci simply because of him being him. Gucci a street nigga, okay? And y'all want to sit up here and clown and say, you know, Gucci make music for niggas that, you know, do drugs. These is all the same motherfuckers that y'all be kicking with right now. So I'm confused. Uh, I'm confused. These your friends any fucking way. <laughs> These are your friends anyway. <laughs> you like niggas like this. Okay, you respect niggas like this. You don't fuck with niggas like this. Why? Because you know that they do pills and they're crazy and they mean the shit that they fucking say. Okay, they ain't no bitch. Gucci ain't never been no bitch. Okay, and he always been a rude motherfucker. If you know Gucci from back then with the fat belly, you would know he's never not been a disrespectful ass motherfucker. So I, I, I was just confused as to why people felt like Gucci was doing the most. This is who Gucci is. Did y'all forget? Y'all was too busy worried about him being a clone. Oh, okay. I don't know if there's ever been another moment in recent time that this has solidified that Gucci is Gucci. But for me, it was la- it, it was the verses for me, okay? Because I was definitely on the fence about Gucci being a clone for a minute. I ain't going to lie to you. But this, for me, was a very uh, reassurance that this, in fact, was Gucci. Because, bitch, we ain't forget. Now... I will say the playlist wasn't that. It wasn't that for me. Gucci got a lot of hits. Again, coming back to what the definition of versus hits for hits is. If you're going to write a list of just hits and we're talking about songs that you know from both artists. okay? so this ain't even got to be a number one hit. Nothing. It could just be songs that, you know, if you put out a list and you write on the list how many songs you know from Jeezy and how many songs you know from Gucci Gucci would win that list period I'm sorry I am fucking sorry fam at that point it ain't necessarily about oh this is a banger and this wasn't it's about how many motherfucking songs do people know and people know more of Gucci shit than they do Jeezy shit that's just the reality of it let's just put it out there okay not to say that Jeezy don't got hits because he does and there were some songs that Jeezy did not play that he should have played, okay? That would have definitely made it, I feel like, more enticing. But really, you know, in real life, they could have went all night. Well, Gucci could have went all night. Let me take that back. Gucci could have went all night. Jeezy couldn't have. But there were still songs I felt that Jeezy could have played that could have amped it up, you know, more for me. And and he was trying to kind of hold back in a sense too. Kind of be the bigger person, which I'm all for. And I will give Jeezy that. I commend you for being the bigger person. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Especially considering what what it is you did. So if anybody don't know, because listen, I did a review on the Gucci book last year. You guys should check that out. Okay, I did the review on this last year. All right. Um, For those that don't know, you know what I'm saying? There is a long beef that stems back from an attempted, you know, kill on Gucci's life. Now, Jeezy did not put a hit out on Gucci necessarily as far as, you know, assigning a person. He made a, a statement, you know, as far as whoever take Gucci chain going to get this money. Somebody went, attempted to do it, and Gucci put that nigga in the dirt. He put that nigga in a box, okay? And he knew that Jeezy was the person who amped it up. So my, my thing to everybody that felt like Gucci did the most, how would you feel... 
about somebody who you were cool with, somebody you, you know what I'm saying, you you was getting it out the mud with, doing their music thing, you fucked with them, you rock with them, y'all had a falling out, next thing you know, he put a hit out for somebody to try to rob you, okay? The motherfucker tried to rob you, end up trying to kill you, you kill their ass, and now you're fighting for your life in jail, okay? You're fighting a charge, God bless, praise God, because Gucci beat that case, but that is what the fuck went down. And after that happened, Gucci even attempted to squash the beef a couple years back. And Jeezy was at a point so far, you know, up his ass in his life that he disrespected Gucci. Now, if you know Gucci again from back then, you know what? He don't like disrespect, even though he a disrespectful nigga. He a street nigga. It's always going to be about the principle and the disrespect for Gucci because he's a street nigga. He lived by the street code. Okay, I don't know what code Jeezy live by, but it ain't the street code, period. And what that was was the display of the street code. Bitch, don't you ever forget in your motherfucking life what the fuck I did to a motherfucker that you sent to me. A motherfucker you sent to cause me harm. This beef is forever. I just want to say that. I just want to say that. Okay, I just want to say that. This was over a decade. Um... And they ended up playing uh, So Icy at the end, which, again, if you know the beef, you know that that was another big problem that they had as far as releasing that song. But that's Gucci's song. Let's just put it out there. It's Gucci Man's song. Fuck you mean. Okay? Okay. Um, Do you really think that this beef is over? Do you really think that it's dead, it's done, it's dead? Honestly, I feel like in the physical realm, it's over as far as... Gucci doing any bodily harm to Jeezy. He he's elevated from that point. But psychologically, spiritually, in the next life, this shit, it's never gonna be over. You understand what I'm saying? It's never, it's never going to be over. This is a type of beef, especially with the type of person that Gucci is, that will never die. Had Gucci not been the type of man that he was, already, you know, a star going down the path, I'm almost a hundred percent I'll take that back. I'm a thousand percent certain he would have gotten out and killed Jeezy. Now, if you've never read the Gucci autobiography book, I would highly recommend that you read it. I believe everything that Gucci put in that fucking book because why he got a lie. Now, I'm going to take one more moment to give Gucci his props because people tend to forget how long Gucci been out and how many artists he's paved the way for. OK, Atlanta, Mr. Zone 6. OK, he was a, a, a major propeller in the hip hop and street mixtape world. Gucci was the 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 South King of the mixtape in my eyes, okay, um, once I discovered Gucci, it just kind (laughs) of opened up my mind to, again, this different type of lifestyle, but this mentality, this street mentality, and you kind of understanding why a motherfucker live the way they live. Gucci always been a street nigga, and even when he was propelling in his rap career, he was still robbing niggas, shooting niggas, and shit, and still going to jail, and still releasing music, and still having clout. But but there was also a time when Gucci shit wasn't getting played, you know, in clubs and certain shit because of his record, because of who he was and because of the grimy shit he was doing. So we get to see an evolution in a street nigga become a international star. OK, he had a song with Bruno Mars. Now, Bruno Mars, it, it was, you know, one of the number one artists uh, on the billboard. OK, big money. And so he did that as a flex. Now. Like I said, I don't necessarily agree with the song, but that was a flex moment for Gucci. That was a moment to let Jeezy know that even though you tried to take me off my glow way back then, 
Right now, I'm still ahead of you. Right now, I'm still up on you in this music shit. After you proclaimed so long, for so long, that you got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all, but that's the reality of it. Gucci Man is relevant right now. And when you look at the elevation of how he started, you can't help but commend that growth, man. Real talk, okay? Real talk. And, and, and that's just that on that. That's just that on that. Next, we get into the second beef of the black culture that we were able to dive back into and open some wounds. This opened a wound for me. I ain't gonna lie. Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion. First off, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. For real. You the only father that I ever knew. Like, get my bitch pregnant, I'm gonna be a better you. Cause what? Stop playing. It's been 30 years. Okay, 30 years since we've gotten any reunion, any type of closure, any type of, you know, reminiscing moment to understand why one of our favorite black families was taken off of the air the way that they were. Will Smith, you are. I will get into that. I, 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 uh, I don't know how to feel about Will at this point, because why you wait so long? That's how I feel. Will Smith been had the power to do this. Just for the record, just to let y'all know, okay? Will Smith been had the power to do this, but he chose to wait. Honestly, I feel like this was an opportunity moment, but we'll get into that as well. So, um, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, if I'm sure everybody knows that fucking show, okay? Um, it is a very impactful um depiction of black excellence, black elegance. A right black family. It shows the dynamic in the most abstract yet real way. And it paved the way for a lot, a lot of black shows and um, representations in Hollywood. Living uh, in Living Color also came out the same year that Fresh Prince did. So you're kind of able to see the contrast into what we were seeing at that time. The Cosbys were already out and you had other shows that came out, you know, after that. But you had a comedic show, you know, in Living Color, which was more so aimed at adults and wasn't necessarily family oriented, you know. And then you have Fresh Prince, which also was aired on NBC. Okay, so now you're getting to a realm of international representation. You're in white people's houses. This is big. This is a big deal. One of my favorite things about the Fresh Prince is the fact that they were wealthy. Um, so often and still to this time, you know, we are depicted as poor, middle class, struggling, never dripped in luxury, never knowing what it is to have that type of life. And the Fresh Prince gave us an insight on what a black, wealthy family, educated family, a family with opportunities looked like even though they look like us. And that was very refreshing to see. I uh, adored the fact that Hillary Carlton and Ashley, you know, never experienced, you know, the street life, never experienced drugs, never experienced teen pregnancy, you know, never experienced um, alcohol, you know, or drug abuse within their household, uh, within their family. All of these things that are very common in the black community that we just chalk up to, you know, generations. Um, they never experienced that. You see a black judge. And that was the first time I'd ever seen a black man play a judge on, on something that I you know liked. Um, first time I ever saw it. First time. First time. 
Then you have a, you know, dark skinned woman, you know, who's professor, you know, who's a mother, who's beautiful, who's slim, who's stylish, you know, whose etiquette uh, is, you know, absurd, uh, you know, superb in addition to her being real and ready to throw down at any moment. So you get to see this broad spectrum of black representation that you never really got to see before. The Cosbys weren't poor, but you knew that they were, you know, middle class. They were making it kind of do what it do, even though, you know, he was a doctor, whatever the case may be. It, it wasn't compared to the Fresh Prince. OK, Fresh Prince, they lived in fucking uh, Bel Air, lived in mansions. They had white neighbors. They had pools, you know, tennis courts. You know what I'm saying? This is another level of black luxury that we had not seen before. And I really do think that us seeing them living that lifestyle and still having to endure a lot of the things that black people face racially, socially, really impacted on the structure of black people. Again, we're always stuck in this box of what it means to be black and that if you do this, you're not black. And if you live this way, you're not black. And if you don't, you don't know this, you're not black. The color of your skin, in addition to your bloodline, will always label you as black in America, okay? If you look black, you're black. Whether you want to profoundly explain to the world that you're not, you are. So I enjoyed that in this show, they never had to explain that they were black because you knew that. Despite how they talked, how they dressed, you knew that. You knew that, okay? And then you have memorable characters, which I love about any good TV show. Anytime you have characters that you relate to, characters that you can't forget. And even though Will was a star, Uncle Phil, I think, really was the most uh, memorable character um, aside from Will. Uncle Phil gave us that that black father figure um, that we need because... uh, Realistically, in a lot of black family situations, when the father is absent, you do have the uncle or the grandfather, you know, that that come in and step up and play that role of dad and play that guidance um, for them. When you're thinking about Moesha, um, Frank wasn't Hakeem's uncle. He was a neighbor. But in a sense, he was kind of like Uncle Frank. You know what I'm saying? He was a another male figure in his life that he could rely on consistently for proper guidance and that he knew he was safe with. And I think Uncle Phil gave us all a sense of security that we needed. We knew that whatever was going to happen, Uncle Phil was going to make sure that the family was all right, which was a dynamic that still to this day we struggle with in the black community, you know. Social issues. Um, and again, this premiered on Monday Night Football primetime. OK, so the Fresh Prince had ratings as high as primetime Monday football during its air, which is amazing because it's a black show. And again, we're talking about, you know, NBC, NBC, all these other show uh, stations that are prominent to that other Altamada audience. And the Fresh Prince was breaking down the barrier that are, that was connecting these people to the type of black people that existed now in the world. Still, we were seeing all of these other depictions that gave us a negative connotation showing that black people hadn't evolved. And then you get to see Fresh Prince and you get to see an evolution, but you get to still see that realness of of the black family, which I love. Okay, which I love. Uh, Family Matters also, uh, well, Family Matters came out, oh, excuse me, in 1989. So they came out the year before, well, two years before one year before, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, Fresh Prince. And 
I do think that the Fresh Prince overshadowed Family Matters a lot because that was another family dynamic that we needed to see, two-parent household, dark-skinned family on TV. So the fact that they didn't get to have that uh, network platform like Fresh Prince, I think kind of made them fall under the, the belt line, even though Family Matters was just as prominent, I would say, definitely, considering the fact that, you know, Carl Lonson was a cop, so Winslow was a cop. It's crazy. My favorite episodes... Of Fresh Prince. And Carlton took speed. Will got finessed by Lisa. She was acting crazy and tied his ass up in the you know forest. Will and Carlton pledged together. Will Daddy's left. You know, that's like top five. And Carlton loses his virginity. So I feel like um the Fresh Prince gave us not only real depictions, but they made you understand what was going on. And you were able to kind of put yourself in their shoes in that moment. When Will and Carlton pledged for me, that was um again another nudge at what it means to be black and why there's so much shame when a black person talks a certain way or writes a certain way or dresses a certain way and as if that's going to take away the fact that they are black again if you look black your skin is black okay on your on your damn id you put black okay african descent that is what it is that is who you are but that doesn't dictate what you can do what you can love, what your interests can be, what your hobbies can be. And it doesn't take away the struggle of your people. So in that episode, you really got to see how there's a a hatred within blacks, within our own people, and how we down each other when we see someone evolving, we see them expanding, we see them taking cultures or uh, interests that are doomed white, okay? Let's just be real about it. And that's not true. Because if you knew your history, you would know that black people have originated a lot of these things that we praise now. Rock and roll, for one. So don't just exit out a motherfucker because you assume that they're not black enough without knowing who the fuck they are. So thank you, Fresh Prince. Thank you for that. Now that I've gassed it up um, enough, I want to pop an a little hole in this air balloon, okay? A little hole. So the whole setup was nice, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get too much uh, about what's going on. Y'all going to have to just watch it. But they were all back on the set. They were watching clips from the show. They were just kind of talking about the impact of the show and the type of rituals they were doing. One thing that stood out to me was the fact that they said that they would have a lot of influence over the script, which was amazing. Um, They had writers that didn't look like them and they wanted to make sure that they were saying the type of things black people would say, that they would react the type of way black people would react. And I think that's important that we were able to know that, knowing that they had a lot of input in their characters and in the storyline to give us that accurate depiction. Everybody looked good, uh, except for a light-skinned Aunt Viv. I will say she, she looked a little on the witchy side there she ain't she ain't aging too well but god bless her anyway <laughs> god bless her anyway everybody looked pretty good everybody was alive except for uncle phil which i thought was amazing carlton to me looked the best though you know will been fine whatever but carlton looked it really good you know what i'm saying he was thin and all his hair was there and his hairline was on his skin was clear it, it was just really refreshing to see jazz 
So I don't know if you guys remember, Jazz was in the hospital, I think the year before last or last year. So it was amazing to see him there looking well, looking healthy, breathing, walking, moving. So that was very great. I was happy to see that they have the set. I don't know if they just hurry up and put it back up for that. They probably did. But I would like to imagine that they just left the set there for 30 years. Like maybe somebody's like paying, you know, like a trailer fee <laughs> to hold it down. <laughs> They even had uh, Nikki, the the boy that played little Nikki. He popped up on there as well. So it was really nice to kind of see the dynamic of Fresh Prince and kind of hear them talk it up. I felt like, um, of course, Will was kind of hogging the light, which he which he normally do, in any sense. But I really wish that I could have heard more from Jeffrey um, and the other castmates will kind of took a lot of direction of the reunion so that kind of let me know that he was the one that put it together and he was the one that kind of structured how everything should look and how it should go so I'm just kind of tired of him being like the star of shit even though it's his show I get it but you know you didn't make the show alone and it wouldn't be the Fresh Prince without these people so it's important for us to know their commitment their thoughts their feelings their contributions which gets us to the meat of it, baby, okay? Because this was the meat of it, baby. What happened to Dark Skin Aunt Viv? Now, spoiler alert! I'm going to spoil it for you because this is a 30-year-old feud at this point. If you haven't done your research, I'm here to give it to you, okay? So, Janet Hubert is the original Dark Skin Viv, who I will always say is Aunt Viv in my eyes. She was the one that connected with... The family and with the audience and really built uh, built that foundation of the Fresh Prince. Okay, she left um, in season three, so there was a lot of drama surrounding Fresh Prince during the end of season two um, into season three. And as the show grew in popularity, everybody you know grew their lives personally and, and things were changing and Janet was actually really pregnant on the show so she really was pregnant during that filming and you know going through pregnancy can make things hard and make it difficult Janet actually was going through an abusive relationship at that time which nobody knew um, nobody knew what was going on which led her to be withdrawn from work and upset and you know kind of just on the edge um, in this setting. So this supposedly disrupted Will and made him feel uneasy for whatever fucking reason, I don't know. So when season three came, because actors, well, I don't know if that's in every situation. Usually it is for every season, though. They have to renew their contract, you know, their proposal, whatever the situation may be for the season run in case something happens, unless they're signed on for two seasons or whatever the case may be. So Will uh, influenced the, the, the studio in addition to probably other factors to renegotiate Janet's contract. So when they brought the contract to her, they were offering her less money than she was making prior to, and it was just a bad contract. So Janet walked away. She left, and they told her that she'd be replaced. So Janet was not fired, for the record. And a lot of stories and news articles were published stating that she had been fired for being difficult, for being a difficult black woman. Now, if you're familiar with showbiz and or just the history of being a black woman in America, 
America, then you will know that anytime you put difficult in front of a black woman, there's always going to be repercussions. Not for you, for the black woman, in case you got confused there. This put a damper on her being able to provide for her family, especially since this was the number one show, you know, uh, nationwide during its airtime and she was a prominent character and for her to not come back and be replaced like that really planted a seed in Hollywood's mind that that she was of no value and that she you know couldn't work and they didn't want to you know deal with her they didn't want to you know be combated by her whatever the case may be so Will and Janet sat down. They had a moment to talk and clarify. And that's when she kind of went into her story and everything like that. And I honestly felt that Will never really explained why um, he allowed that situation to play out the way it did. So I say I, I don't like Will right now because, for one, he had the power back then to change the situation and he did not. You know, Will got this opportunity on a whim. Quincy Jones offered him this opportunity. This was his first acting gig, okay? And he was young. So I will give the fact that he was young um, some consideration into what played. But you were well aware that you had created a dynamic and you decided to risk that dynamic for your own selfishness um, to be comfortable in the environment instead of trying to figure out if there was an issue amongst your cast member. This was the mother, you know what I'm saying, who again created this foundation of Fresh Prince. And then you're talking about accurate representation. Well, Ashley's dark skin, Carlton's dark skin. So this, this makes sense. But for you to replace Aunt Viv with everything that's going on, not wanting to reconcile or fix or see what's happening with her and then use a light-skinned woman, which makes no sense in recognition to the other kids, just goes to show your disregard for Janet and for the message that you were trying to create for Fresh Prince. I may have ran with that a little bit, but you know, I'm always I'm always thinking on the next level and that's how I feel that situation played out. I don't know why, again, Will chose to pick a light-skinned woman. And I'm not dark-skinned, so it's not about me feeling some type of way. It's about acknowledging the obvious. Colorism is real, and it's real within our people as well. It stems all the way back to slavery. And I was very upset as I get older now, seeing the way that it trickled down and watching that interview and kind of seeing the outcome. It really made me sad, but I was happy that, you know, they talked, they hugged. Janet actually met uh, Light Skin Vip for the first time on that uh, reunion show. So they hugged and they embraced and it was an emotional moment. It was an emotional moment. Overall, though, it was great. I would highly recommend that you guys check out that reunion. It aired on HBO Max. So check it out or go on YouTube. Check it out for free. So, is beef just a grudge? Okay, is it just is it just something that you're just holding on to, not too deep? Are there levels to the shit? Again, obviously, period. Okay, because like I said, there there there's different levels to the beef, and the levels decipher how to handle it, how to cook that shit. Okay, you have a person you really just don't care for and you out, y'all had a meeting one time, y'all met one time, it just wasn't for you. They said something rubbed you the wrong way, their actions or energy. That's not really a beef. It's more so just a, a sign of I don't fuck with that person. I don't really like them. I don't like who they are. Okay, a person 
you've had words with a few times, okay, that can escalate. At that point, that's a beef, all right? Now, now you're getting to the beef. A person who disowns your loyalty, who betrays you, you know, who betrays your trust. That's, that's definitely a beef. A motherfucker trying to cause bodily harm, meaning you no good, okay? Clearly, that's beef. So you need to decipher the level of beef, okay? Like I said, it can literally be a minor thing or a whole pound of shit. Whatever it is, I advise resolving it immediately, though, before any permanent damage is done. When you look at these two beefs, Gucci and Jeezy luckily were able to come out on the up of this beef. When really the reality, I think, could have been one of them dying, okay? And you get to see them both prosper in their lives separately on different levels. And this is a beef that was more so, I think, a lesson to both of them um, and to the world, if you may. But to both of them, Gucci, as far as to trusting people and learning when to move the fuck on and Jeezy on not trying people (laughs) and learning when to just stay in your motherfucking place get to, you know, Fresh Prince reunion. And I think that this was a beef um, that was resolved, but it was resolved too late. Okay. It was resolved too late. And what that did was created a, a negative outcome for the other people involved, like Janet. And she was, you know, a casualty in this beef more so than anybody. She not only was disowned in a sense, but she had to face hardships after that because of what she, you know, was going through and no one felt the need to help, um, or want to help. And I think that that was a stem of the beef. So man, black culture, it'll do it to you. It'll do it to you. And it'll make you remember how important little shit is or how important it ain't. As always, thank y'all for listening. Peace out.